So last week we started digging in. For the last several weeks we've been uh, on kind of this study examining the church. Um, we spent we spent a good number of weeks just looking generally at, at marks of the church, like like what is the church? How how does Scripture speak about the church? Um, we looked at, at at that in depth and. Last week we began kind of exploring what are the marks of a healthy church. Like how can we know um, if our church, if the church that we are members of is healthy. And in areas where we're not, where we might need um, encouragement, um, that we would be uh, wise and open and uh, understanding that there hasn't been a church from the time of the early church to now that has found perfection in all of their in all of their doings um, that that would humble us but that it would also not be a deterrent to where we say well if perfection isn't possible why try at all um, and that we would strive towards growing in areas that we uh, that we find ourselves um, weaker in and that we would be encouraged by areas that we find within ourselves um, to be strong points and that we would not neglect one for the other. So um, last week we finished up in Colossians chapter 1 verses 28 and 29. So we'll pick up there today and then after that we're going to look at Titus chapter 1. I have a feeling we're probably going to be um, hitting this verse a couple of times because in in uh, the sanctuary that's kind of Titus is the, is the theme of of the current series that's being preached there so we'll touch on this a little bit we won't spend too much time knowing that uh, that it will get kind of double coverage in the next couple of of weeks if not to if not today even um, and then there's a, there's a couple of other passages of text that I want us to look at to kind of get an idea of, of we're not going to cover I'm going to kind of re- just read through this list that we spoke about last week just to remind us we're not going to cover every single thing on this because we would be here um, for weeks and weeks and weeks on end just just with this study. So um, there will be some, and it will be evident in the scripture scriptures that we've selected here that we'll be uh, focusing, uh, focusing more on. That's not to say that there is more or less focus that ought to be given to any one of these particular areas, but just for the sake of time. Um, and also for the the clarity of the text that we're going to be touching on. That's kind of the reason that that we'll be touching on those. So um, there's a list. I've got roughly 12. If you're following along in the Systematic Theology book, this is kind of the chapter on purity and unity. Um, As I've looked at this and and as I've been considering it, it just, I've kind of titled it Marks of a Healthy Church because Um, the things that are touched on in that chapter seem to point in a direction that like if we're looking to examine ourselves these are things that we could use to um, to do some self-reflection and and I I pray that we do that so um, the first thing um, that I would say is one of the marks of a healthy church is a clear and evident love for Christ Um, First and foremost, you can't love Christ unless uh, the Father has called you to Him. So um, a clear and evident love for Christ amongst the body of believers at a church uh, should be the clearest of signs. 
um, that there is that there is life within that church. So do we love Christ? Do we seek His glory uh, above all things? Um, second to that, I would say um, biblical doctrine and the and the the importance of biblical doctrine within a body of believers is fundamental to the overall health of a church. If you're not grounded in the Word, then you're not grounded in anything. You can't know God apart from the Word of God. Uh, perhaps you would say, well, I've seen visions. Um, do your visions align with Scripture? Perhaps you have seen the sky part. Does it align with Scripture, right? These these miraculous things that you may seek out. Um, and we'll touch on this as we kind of press through um, and get into get into some of the later texts here. Um, ultimately, does it align with, with the Word of God? So sound biblical doctrine being taught within a place is critical for the health of that. Uh, church, um, I'll start moving through these a little bit, a little bit quicker. Uh, proper use of sacraments. Um, that example of that. Do we take the Lord's Supper? Do we take it like? It, do, does it carry the same kind of reverence and weight that it ought? Proper use of church discipline. That's a tough one, right? Um, we often f- find ourselves not not seeing much church discipline at all. But if you look at the New Testament, you see. Uh, Quite a few calls to uh, to church discipline. Um, here's here's a reality. Um, if you see me doing wrong, if you see me doing wrong, if you see me living in open sin, and for the sake of my for the sake of my momentary like state of emotion, you refrain from pointing that out to me. As a brother or sister in Christ, you do me harm, right? There's a need. There's a need for uh, us to hold one another accountable, um, and ultimately, biblical church discipline. That is the point of it. It is not for the casting out so that Satan might have their souls, but um, it is so that we recognize the importance of living in unity, living in harmony, living. Um, living pure lives. Uh, genuine worship is worship something that um, that can be seen within a church. Um, effective prayer is that we're going to get into a couple of these things um, here. Effective. Um, what does it mean for prayers to be effective? Like, do we find our prayers answered at all? Right. Like, is every prayer that we pray seem to be answered in a no? Do we get does, does the Lord answer prayers within this body of believers? Um, a mark of a healthy church would be a church that prays and God moves, right? Um, an effective witness. Uh, do we go out and take the word into the places that we go from week to week? Um, when we do, do we find souls saved there? Now, part of, part of this, what I want us uh, not to get in a mindset of, I would consider Mount Calmer to be something of a commuter church. We have just as many people who, who are driving 30 minutes to get here than live across the road, right? So we come in and then we go to our places. So if you're witnessing in the place where you work, don't be surprised if they don't show up at Mount Carmel. Perhaps they do. Perhaps they do. But effective witness for us is not necessarily going to mean that 
the numbers within this local body of believers are just going to explode. Effective witness is you feel empowered by the word, by your understanding of the word, by your understanding of your call as an individual believer when you go out into the world, uh, that God has called you to that place, that you are there with a purpose, and that he has placed around you individuals who need to hear the gospel, and you feel called to witness to those people. That's, an effect, that's, that's, what I, that's what I mean when we're talking about effective witness here. Do we as individuals, do we collectively uh, put an importance on that effective fellowship? Do we come together in fellowship? And when we come together in fellowship, are you encouraged by that fellowship? Um, biblical church government. Um, this, is one that's, this is one that's hard um, I would say this one kind of in line with church discipline um, is, is one that uh, can be hard to get right. There are different ways. Like, there's not one way that a church can operate, and I think that uh, wisdom, would, wisdom would, would lead you in a place that, that like, there are certain church structures that just don't work in a church our size. And then if we were, if you were a larger church, there are certain certain structures that wouldn't work for you that might would work for us. So there's not a, necessarily a one size fits all solution there. There are um, clear guiding principles in Scripture related to uh, church government more broadly. But um, I think that there that that help that different churches that which you would call healthy can look different in regards to the structure of the governing kind of body of that of that church uh, spiritual power and ministry is another thing another mark that's kind of highlighted in that chapter um, what what do we mean here when you when you are in worship like we can have this there's this dangerous element that we can have to where like we want to like I me coming from a rational logical mind and that being kind of my like the, the position that I start from, um, I can tend to want to relegate emotion to the sidelines in a sense because I, ca- I can say I would rather use my mind than I would rather use my feelings. But then other people, God has made in a different way so that, that emotions carry and work in a different way in their life than it does, than it does mine. So like in a worship service, where like I might have a tendency there to be a danger for like an outward show of emotion. There's an there's a res- there's an element there to where like if we're talking about like spiritual power and ministry, if we see movement of the spirit within us in powerful ways through worship, through the preaching of the word, through the teaching of the word, through times of fellowship, through times of like do we see God moving in the various ministry opportunities that we have? As a church, that that is a sign of, of uh, that would be a sign or a mark of a of a healthy church is spiritual power in those uh, areas of ministry. Individual and personal holiness is also uh, something there. This kind of goes back in line with uh, church discipline and 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 kind of on the individual aspect of this. Uh, do we consider the individual holiness of each member something that's to be like strived after, fought for? Um, or do we think that like, well, it's your life, live your life how, how, you, how you will and, you know, like be, be free there. 
um, even if it even if it means some type of unholiness uh, finds finds root in you. Um, so do we strive for personal and individual holiness? Um, the last two here: Do we have a care and concern for the poor, those who are around us who are in need? Um, and then, kind of lastly, to round out this this list, uh, do we find ourselves unified? Are we together? Are we heading in the same direction? Um, and I'm not like that. There's an there's an element to you're going to go and you're going to have. Um, like whatever job, whatever workplace that you go into this coming week is going to be different from mine, and likely there's a, there's a variety, an abundance of variety of different places that you will find yourself this week. So um, unity is not necessarily like like no variety or difference. Um, or no variety in opinion or difference in opinion, unity is ultimately here's here's how I would here's how I would say like how I would identify unity within a church. No matter what opinions are on any given or individual subject matter, does the underlying root of the opinion in those individuals or groups of individuals ultimately seek to glorify Christ and Christ alone, right? If that is the underlying root of any differences of opinion, then we are unified in our ultimate goal, right? Glorifying Christ. And if if we can all trust that, we are unified in that like foundational element of of every decision that we're trying to make, then we can we can trust that if Dustin and I were to differ on opinions on how to like do a particular ministry, I can trust that Dustin wants to glorify Christ in everything that he's doing, right? And if he's yes, yes. Right. And maybe even go wrong direction, but the Holy Spirit will lead back. Yeah. As we love and mentor each other. Yeah. And we're unified in that one purpose that God might be glorified. And part of and part of the way that He's glorified is He's glorified by more. Right. Like that there will be those in the future when 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 we are long in our graves who will walk with Christ, glorifying Christ after we're gone because of the effort, the striving, the toiling that took place here. Right? And and we can trust that the the that the God who has started this whole thing off will be faithful uh, to to complete that, sometimes we have to be we have to be reminded of that um, reminded of that truth. So Colossians chapter one, uh, verse twenty eight, and we spent a good deal of time on this last week, so I'm not going to um, just labor on this today. Um, so verse twenty eight, 
Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is this should not just be a goal for teachers and preachers. This should be something um, that each individual member of the church is seeking for the maturity of every other believer within their local body specifically uh, to grow in maturity with Christ. Um, Verse 29, if we think that this is going to be easy, if you think this is going to be easy, you're probably early in your walk with Christ. Um, And I want to encourage you to continue thinking that it's going to be easy. And then I pray that um, those who have been at this toil for longer and have more scar tissue um, will not let the scar tissue discourage the one who thinks that it's going to be easy, but be there when they realize that it's not. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I would, how I would state that. So um, we should be gentle in that. Like, for the, for the young one in the faith who is like ready to just be foolish about this thing. Um, be foolish. Be foolish. Be foolish in, in what the world would call foolish things. Um, because Christ, uh, Christ and the work that he has done and that he is, is doing would seem utterly foolish um, to those who are perishing. Um, verse 29 for this I toil, struggling. So this is a toil. This 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 work for the maturity of other believers in Christ is an effort. It is going to require energy. It is going to exhaust you at times. It is not unholy to call it toil and struggle. Um, he calls it that here, right? Um, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. This is all of Christ's energy, all of God's energy working in us, right? So this is not a toil that we will survive or a struggle that we will survive uh, under our own power, under our own capabilities. But this is something that we need. And I think that the toiling in time, um, the one who would think that it's easy, that one that maybe hasn't um, hasn't been at this toil for long, um, they they will learn through the toil this truth that he leaves us with here. Because there are times that um, we can toil, especially when we're young, we can toil with much of our own energy. But as we as we find ourselves exhausted time and time again with this toil, with this struggling. Um, we learn through it to rest in his energy. And that's, that's what he's telling us here. So with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So uh, as, you're, as you're working as a member of this body, as you find yourself exhausted, um, first, let it be encouraging to you that you are not alone in that. Um, one of the marks of a healthy church is likely men and women knowing this reality, toiling away, never being seen, never being like thanked, never being like brought before the church and say, we would love to thank you for this thing that you did this particular time, right? But it's just quiet toiling. 
Um, so for for that person hearing this, I would say be encouraged because this is not against the norm. This is the norm. This is the norm. Um, it is work when you are working for the souls of people that you care for, right? And um, recognizing recognizing that reality. Um, Helps you press on. Helps you press on through it. So let's let's turn now uh, to uh, Titus chapter one. Titus chapter one. We're going to be looking at verses nine through eleven here, and we won't go into the we won't go into the kind of detail that um, we'll we'll get from this uh, when we hear it preached through the pulpit. Um, but I, I do want us to I do want us to kind of point point this out here. So verse nine, uh, this is this is speaking towards qualifications for an elder. Um, I think there's some pretty significant truths that come out of this that are kind of um, fundamental to identifying a healthy church. Verse nine. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. So, like, again, to this idea of, like, biblical doctrine being, being an important consideration here. Um... This holding to the word is so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So a couple of things here that I think are very important for us to to gather. One, like um, there are hills to die on and our... um, Reliance on Scripture or reliance on God's Word or um, desire to get down to the truth of it um, is something that I will die for. Like I like like that's not that's not an area to like mess around with, especially because we go through so much in life that like foolish thoughts about who we would think that God is and what He is doing will fail you. Will fail you. You will find yourselves believing false things about Him and when the trials of life come against you, you will find those false things having no substance. So there's this element here that He kind of, at the end of verse 9, this instructing in sound doctrine and also rebuking those who contradict it. How many of you feel comfortable? Let's, let's say, for, for example, let's say that I said something today that you were not in agreement with, that you didn't feel like it lined up with Scripture. How many of you, I wonder, would feel comfortable 
Now, please don't call me out in front of everybody and embarrass me, okay? Um, but how many of you would feel comfortable coming to me afterwards and saying anything? I think that there are some. I think that there are some. Yeah. Yeah. Saying you're wrong, it would be me like, I want to look at this closer because I have, I've had a differing opinion yeah. on it. But now, I think you open that. I think you have a freedom. I think y'all have established a freedom here for that. Well, I think when you love one another well and you establish that as the cultural norm of a place and your teachers are teachable, like I think you have that. You know? Yeah. Reception of maybe a difference. So now here's a, here's another angle on that. How many of you, if you were wrong, would feel comfortable with me telling you? How many how many would listen? How many would listen to it? What if it was on something something? What if it was a what if it what if you had what if you had fundamental, deep rooted ways of thinking? And you look at me and you're like, I'm older than you by 10 years. I know better than you. How many, how many, I wonder, could be taught by me? How many would be teachable? Right? Perhaps as I get older and one day I will be the oldest, maybe. <laughs> and everyone will be younger. Will they listen to me? Will I listen to them? Would I sit in their class? What if I find out then? What if I find out then that God has laid on the hearts of one of them an area that I've been struggling with for years and they point it out to me? Will I be willing to listen? Hmm? It is. Sure. It is. And to submit. So I don't think that's probably the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, for sure. For sure. This is why this is why as this is why as we Yeah. This is why as we approach this like the effectiveness of this is dependent on the Spirit's work in the word. Right? He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may, able to, may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. So you've got to be able to determine what is and what isn't sound doctrine. I fear that, that many times we, we can go through this we can go through the motions of church but the idea of sound doctrine, even the word doctrine, can hit us as lofty. As lofty. As like, you're going to be talking over my head today. As I would prefer simpler things than this. But there's an element here of to be able to instruct, you're instructing in sound doctrine. And, and to be able to rebuke effectively 
It's coming from that sound doctrine. But you Yes, which is coming from the word. And this is why this is why like love for Christ doctrine, right? Like you can't love scripture unless you love Christ. And then you recognize in the way that he's ordered things that you know him more and can love him more when you're in the word of God because that is where he speaks to you. Like he speaks to you from the spirit of God. Verse 10, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers. So like this is something that we have to watch out for um, within ourselves, and we also have to be willing to call those things out. Right? We have there's there's an element to this, like, because we're like this. This idea of rebuke, this idea of pointing out where someone else is wrong, like from both sides it can be approached in a wrong way, right? And I think like we can know what a wrong way might look like. We can know what that might look like. But here's, here's the reality. I think that a lot of times what we might would consider a wrong way and what that would look like might not necessarily be a wrong way. What if you were rebuked and you and your whole family ducked out? And now the numbers are down. Now there's less people in class. Now we question. Should have, like... Was pointing that out at all something that I should have done? Would it have been better just to say nothing? At least the numbers wouldn't look less, right? That also the church's position as individuals to reach out to that family in different areas to find out where the issue is at. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like there I, I feel I feel that in some cases a lot of churches have backed away from doing that. Yeah. And this is like that effective that effective witness doesn't just end with those who have never heard of Christ, right? Like an effective witness is one amongst ourselves. If if someone said something to me, Let's 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 imagine I'm in sin and Dustin points it out to me and it is deep rooted such that I can't hear what he's saying. So because of it, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to another place. <laughs> There's a dolphin or something in the hallway. <laughs> What what is the appropriate what is the appropriate thing for the church to do there? To say nothing and maybe gone forever and you not have a, not have any none of you have any idea of, of why except for rumors? What I say about the thing? There's a there's a there's a reason why church discipline is laid out in scripture. There's a reason why we get within scripture patterns to follow in these things because they safeguard us as a body of believers. Right? We can cause others to sin by our reactions or even our silence. 
Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are situations where perhaps Dustin didn't handle it right with me. (laughs) Okay. Perhaps. Perhaps. Or perhaps it's better that I'm gone. Right. Like what if what if Dustin was pointing out to me that when I stand up here and I teach that I'm not putting any any energy into this outside of I just like I showed up today and I just okay I've got this book that I go from and I just, I'm read I'm gonna read it to you and what if Dustin pointed out that to me Landon you've been called to something greater you've got it there's an audience of people listening core members of the church and you are not putting in energy into this. Not that's not that's worthy of, of of the calling in the position, the place that you find yourself. And I'm like, I ain't got time for it, bro. I'm I'm doing I'm doing my thing. And then I leave. And I take my family with me. And then you come to me. You come to me and I have I, I have different ways that I could approach this. I could maybe handle it godly and we're gone and it's just a silent thing, or perhaps I give you some rumors that are untrue. And you take them and, and, and you run with them. And, and then others hear that. And then they're like, man, Dustin should have handled that differently. Right? Having only heard rumor about said exit. Right? There are times that rebuke hurts. There are times that it hurts. We have to be very mindful in and and like I, I know I'm picking on Dustin here because typically the the reality is is that if you consider yourself getting rebuked within the church, it's probably not coming from the person that's sitting right next to you. It's probably you feel like it's going to come from the pastor, right? Yeah. And then the danger comes, the danger comes. What if what if I happen to be, maybe I'm not good with actually presenting what the word says, but that I'm actually good at convincing you. Right, so that those that I've convinced to take my side have not been convinced by the word, but by the empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. Like there, we get a particular group of individuals that gets called out in this text, and he says they must be silenced. Again, this is talking to church discipline here. Like he's like, shut them up. That's literally what the KJV says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They must be silent since they're upsetting whole fam- families by teaching for shameful gain that they ought not to teach. So there is a there is a command to stand against empty talk that would cause division, that would cause deception, that would upset whole families. 
for the gain of that particular group, right? That might not be monetary gain. We tend to think monetary gain when we hear gain, but that could be popularity. That could be influence. There's different there's different ways that you could um, consider that. So um, there's a reason that like that in this in in the book of Titus here that that these types of hard things are pointed out in regards to qualifications for elders. Not new guy that just found Jesus yesterday. Not for our children who we've just baptized. But that God is faithful in the working out of His work throughout history and time to raise up people who follow and fit this qualification. Who consider deeply the words that they say, the impact that it might have, but that are willing to do the hard things for the betterment of the church. It makes you thankful for like, the Spirit working in Paul to trust Titus to put these things in order. Yeah. That there, there are people who are built for this. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, it's for the glory of God and the love of the church and the betterment, ultimately, of the entire kingdom of God. Yeah. And like it, I don't know, like, it, the more I read the Titus, the more I fall in love with this guy. Yeah. Because like here's the, here, like, when I consider, when I consider this, here's what I would say. There may be hundreds of empty talkers that are nowhere to be seen next week. But the ones that he's calling out to, to eldership here are the ones that you will see two decades from now if the Lord does not take them home. Right? Like there's an element to like these individuals are grounded. And that's important. That's important. There are elements there that are specific to um, eldership but I think that there are truths there that apply across the board, right? Across the board. Um, we'll end there. I know we've got a baptism coming up, so I don't want to run us too long. Um, we will end there today, and we'll pick up um, this discussion next week.